Well, happy summer to you. Thank you, both of you. That was wonderful. Um, but I also wanted to say um, congratulations to all the graduates uh, who have graduated high school. Um, yes, to those who have graduated university, those who have graduated kindergarten. You know, we celebrate lots of graduations in school these days. But uh, congratulations to all of you. Again, a special welcome to John and Lana. We are honored to have you here, blessed to have you here. Uh, if you'd like to catch up with them, I'm sure they'll stick around for a few minutes after the service and you can chat with them about what is missions like in Costa Rica. John is from Costa Rica, Lana has been transplanted there, but if you'd like to get to know them a little bit, uh, they are four square missionaries as well. So we have three um, families from Foursquare Canada missions that we support as a church, and John and Lana are, are uh, another couple, um, similar to Marcy and Brandon who were here last month. But I wanna pray, I wanna just pray over God's word that as we open it, we would all be open to receiving something fresh from him this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that your word is not only with us, but it is in us. That as we digest your word, Lord, as we ponder your word, Lord, there's transformation power in your word. Your word is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray that we would come this morning with an openness to hear you speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Well, we're in a, a little bit of a series um, coming out of Pentecost. We started a series called Journey from the Upper Room. Before Pentecost, our series was Journey to the Upper Room, and we've transitioned now to look at what does it mean as a church to journey from the upper room? How many know that the believers didn't stay in the upper room? How many knew that they were empowered to go, empowered to make a difference. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at um, unity, diversity, and this week we're gonna look at maturity. And next week, Pastor Keaton is going to be preaching on hospitality. And also next week will be our barbecue. So uh, please invite your friends, invite your family, and come on out next week and, and stay after the service for our barbecue um, as we close out this series. Maturity matters. Maturity matters. This, this week I want to talk about maturity and what does it mean to be spiritually mature? What does it mean to grow in our relationship with God? But not only grow in our relationship with God, but we grow in our relationship with one another, that we are a church community. Maturity is the result of discipleship. Maturity is the result of discipleship, which engages a person in denying self, serving others, and understanding God's wisdom. Denying self, serving others, and understanding God's wisdom. So I wanna look at these three aspects. Obviously, becoming spiritually mature involves so many other things that I'm sure you can name as well. But I wanna look at these three specific areas and starting with denying ourselves. And everybody say amen. 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 
But what is spiritual maturity? What is spiritual maturity? Is it years in church? Is it how well we pray? Is it whether or not we can preach? Is it how many people we evangelize to? How many people we win to Christ in our lifetime? What does it mean to be spiritually mature? Ultimately, I find myself asking these questions from time to time. What does it mean to be spiritually mature? And specifically, I ask myself these two questions. They're simple. Am I growing in my relationship with Jesus? Simple, right? Am I growing in my relationship with Jesus? Secondly, am I growing in my relationship with those in my church community? See, our relationship with God is twofold. One is that it is a vertical relationship with God, that I am personally connecting with God in my time of devotion, in my time of prayer, in my time of worship. I personally connect with God, and that is my vertical relationship. But it doesn't stop there. Because becoming spiritually mature means there must be a horizontal relationship as well. And that is in community. I like to think of this as a cross. Vertical. Am I personally meeting with the Lord each day? Secondly, am I meeting with those in my church community throughout the week? You see, there's two things happening in spiritual maturity. One is that I am becoming one with God, that he is developing me, he is shaping me on the inside. The second thing that is happening as I'm becoming spiritually mature is he is shaping me for a purpose on the outside. So inwardly, he is shaping me, and that is my vertical, and outwardly, he is using me. And that is horizontal. Sometimes we get off balance though. Sometimes we only spend time in our personal prayer closet. We only spend time reading the Bible. We only spend time personally worshiping the Lord. And we're not reaching out. And sometimes we spend all of our time reaching out, but we're not being filled up personally. And I believe that becoming spiritually mature is both. Maturity is a result of discipleship. Maturity is not a moment of becoming. We don't reach a moment in our life where we're finally mature. I once heard a pastor tell me that when he reached the age of 50, he had, he had kind of learned all that he needed to learn to teach reached a point in his life where he had learned all he needed to learn to then preach and teach. I believe that spiritual maturity never ends. I don't think we come to a moment where we graduate and we receive a diploma and now we are spiritually mature. It doesn't happen. It is a lifelong process of becoming Spiritual maturity is a lifelong process 
of becoming. And my hope in that statement is that that would relieve some of your guilt. Because <laughs> you might be sitting there going, I don't feel spiritually mature. Good, that's perfect. You should feel like that for the rest of your life. Because it's the moment that I think I've arrived, that's the problem. I stopped growing. I stopped leaning in. I stopped listening. The process of becoming is a lifelong process. Discipleship is also not a moment of belonging to a church. Belonging to a church isn't simply becoming a member of a church. Belonging to a church isn't simply tuning in online or coming on Sundays. That is wonderful and that is first steps to belonging. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing all your beautiful faces. You're getting better and better looking every week. I know I said that last week and I do have to admit I can barely see your faces with the light shining in my eyes, but, but belonging is more than that. Belonging is a lifelong commitment to community, to vulnerability, to authenticity, to transparency, to intimacy. Spiritual maturity is the process of becoming and it's the process of belonging. My first point this morning is spiritual maturity is the result of denying to ourself. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25. As we look at denying self leads to maturity. You're gonna love this point. I can tell already. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And all his disciples said, amen. Jesus is saying, whoever wants to be mature, whoever wants to follow me and be my disciple, whoever wants to grow in their spiritual maturity must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Jesus is saying the process toward spiritual maturity begins with losing, not gaining begins with denying, not just receiving. See, in spiritual maturity, unlike physical maturity, we face our shadow side. We face our flesh. We face our desires. We face our feelings and our thoughts and our leanings and our lifestyle and the things that we enjoy doing. And we face these desires of the flesh and we deny them to follow Christ. What does this look like practically? 
Well, let's imagine that I'm filling out my tax forms and I know that if I just fill out this information in this way, that I'll get an extra $500 back from the government. Let's just imagine that. Would you do it? Spiritual maturity is the process where we deny ourselves. We, we deny the things that we desire to follow Christ. Let's imagine that this water bottle, whose is this? Joey. This is massive, bro. Like, this is huge. Have you noticed water bottles getting bigger and bigger? Like, people soon are going to have backpacks with these giant water jugs on their back. Anyway, Joey, good for you, man. That is hydrated. I almost couldn't pick that up. But let's imagine, ah, man, I get lost in my sermon sometimes, sorry. So back to this. So let's imagine that this wonderful water bottle of Joey's is mine, okay? And it's filled with, with all of the good things that I desire. You see, Christ is over there. Let's imagine Christ is here, that, that Jesus is the word, and the things I desire are this water bottle. You can't serve both. You can't follow both. You have to choose. And to choose, you have to deny. You see, what happens sometimes is we become Christians and we think that following Jesus is just an app on our phone that we can add to our life. And so what we try to do is we try to, we try to do both. It's impossible. Jesus said, do you want to be my disciples? Do you want to follow me? Do you want to have discipline and become spiritually mature? This is what you have to do. You have to deny those things to follow me. See, to take up your cross, that phrase literally means sacrifice. It means I'm going to sacrifice and deny myself the things I've always enjoyed to follow Christ. Because the denial of self will lead to the desire of the Spirit. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. This is not in your notes. This is bonus. Paul writes this. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. You see, what happens in this denial of self, some of us think that the denial of self is that we lose fun. Like we just become boring we think, I don't want to deny myself because that is fun. I love sipping on my giant water bottle. It's so much fun. But what happens when we deny ourselves and we die to those things, Paul says we are actually buried with Christ so that we are raised to new life. See, the denial of self and the burial of self leads to a resurrection of new life. 
The best picture we have of this is actually found in nature. In nature, we see this in the life of a caterpillar. The caterpillar spends his whole life eating leaves. He eats and eats and eats and eats and eats. Let's imagine the caterpillar was, was drinking this, the desires of that caterpillar's life over and over and over again. And then one day that caterpillar actually dies. That caterpillar goes into a cocoon and what happens in the cocoon is the caterpillar completely dies off and what? A butterfly emerges. This new creation that comes out was very different than the creation that went into that cocoon. The beautiful thing about this picture is for that caterpillar's entire life, inside of its body, it actually carried the DNA of the butterfly. But that DNA was dormant. And it's at the time of death that new life comes. When Jesus says to deny ourselves in the process of spiritual maturity and be buried with Christ, it's because resurrection life is coming out the other end. And what happens is that your mind is renewed. What happens is that you begin to react to people differently. You begin to feel different, see the world different, love people differently. Because you are becoming someone new. I've learned this lesson a lot more dramatically than the caterpillar to the butterfly, but I, I, I've learned this in, in marriage, in my relationship with Sonia. I'll tell you that the Joel that entered into marriage in 2005 is different than the Joel that stands before you. And the Sonia, well, she's perfect. She's always been perfect. No, what happens is two people, two individuals in marriage, they come together. And then what happens over a lifetime, oh, well, ours is 18 years. We've been married 18 years. 18 amazing years of, of, of sharpening and grinding and Sonia just doing all that to me. Um, and what happens after, in, in my 18 years, what I have learned is that two things are happening. I am becoming someone new. We are becoming one. A lot of people say that you become one when you are, are, are married. And in your spirit, that is true. But your souls become one over a lifetime. So we are becoming one and we are belonging to one another. That process doesn't just happen. That process happens through choice. We choose one another. We choose one another. When we were first married, I began learning all the things about Sonia, the things that make her happy, the things that make her sad, the things she is passionate about, the things that God has wired into her that she has created to be. Her patience, her wisdom, her compassion. And all of these things I begin learning and I spend the rest of my life excavating and finding out who she is created to be. 
And likewise, she does that for me. And, and marriage is this process of becoming one. And it's often a denial to self. Eugene Peterson, in his book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, written many years ago, it's a must read for every human being. He describes discipleship this way, and spiritual maturity is the process of discipleship. He says, I decide every day to set aside what I can do best and attempt what I do very clumsily, open myself to the frustrations and failures of loving, daring to believe that failing in love is better than succeeding in pride. Some of us think discipleship is this perfect linear process. I go to Alpha, I go to the discipleship class, I get in a life group. I'm mature. It's not a linear process. Discipleship is sometimes two steps back, one step forward. Sometimes one step forward, two steps back. It's a spider web. If you're here today and you're saying, I don't feel spiritually mature, perfect. Because God wants us to continually be unsatisfied. Continually feel the tension of where he's drawing us to. Calling us to deeper and deeper into relationship with him. We become more like Christ. And we belong to one another. This is spiritual maturity. It's messy, it's bumpy, it's up, it's down, it's all around. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. The ESV version says, he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Can you imagine being at a point in your life where you're able to say to someone, follow me as I follow Christ? Oh my goodness. Have you ever tried to follow someone like through a windy road or just follow them anywhere? Guests come into town and you're like, okay, follow me down to the mall and somehow you're lost between here and there. It's like a kilometer away. But can you imagine getting to a point in your life where you're saying, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. To follow is to remember, to recall, to respond. Paul is saying, remember the things I've taught you. Recall the things I've taught you. As I was preparing this message, I, I asked myself this question, and I don't want you to respond after this message to answer this for me, but this is just my own personal question is, am I living a life worth following? Am 
Am I living a life worth following? Could I, could I say to my children? Could I say to my coworkers? Could I say to my friends? Could I say to people, hey, follow me as I follow Christ? I mean, it's a convicting question that we ask ourselves, but this is what it means to be on the pathway towards spiritual maturity, to live a life worth following. And you might say, well, of course we would follow you, Joel. Like, like, look at you. You're a pastor. Like, you speak. You know the word, blah, blah, blah. Listen, my life is not what I do here for an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. When I ask this question, I think about myself when none of you see me. When I'm at home, when I'm driving on the road, when somebody cuts me off in traffic, eee. Am I living a life worth following? And when I say the word life, I mean the life I live in secret. And as your servant, as your servant pastor, I ask myself that question and it's convicting. But I'm dedicated to that. I'm dedicated to that, and it's bumpy, and it's slippery, and it's failure forward. Like, I fail in love with God. (laughs) All the time. And you will fail in love with God all the time. But spiritual maturity is a constant denying of yourself and the desires you once lived to follow Christ. You know, it's summertime, and I swore I wasn't going to cry during my summer sermons, but I was just going to try to be happy clappy, but it's just not. It's just not me. Second point this morning is serving others lead to maturity. Jesus is on the road to Capernaum in Mark chapter 9. And he's in the house with his, his disciples again. And he asked them, hey, what were you arguing about on the road? So he's walking with his disciples to Capernaum, and, and he hears them, of course, arguing behind him. And they get to the home, and Jesus turns around and says, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way, they argued about who was the greatest. Have you ever got caught by Jesus? I've been caught by Jesus all the time. In prayer, God's like, oh yeah, you think, you think you're holy? Here. But they kept quiet, because they knew they were arguing about something as ridiculous as who is the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. I love this scene. I'm going to need a tissue just for my own sake. This is not an analogy at all. Because I see Nate taking pictures and the last thing I want is on social media. I got like a glistening tear coming down my... 
I love this scene though. Jesus is sitting with the disciples and he's like, hey guys, what are you guys arguing about on the road? And they're like, oh, we're so embarrassed. Jesus says, listen, I wanna tell you about what it's like to be the best follower, the best disciple, the greatest, the most mature. I'm gonna tell you guys, I'm gonna answer the question you've been asking. And to answer the question, I'm gonna tell you this, it's to be the servant of all. In other words, Jesus is saying the pathway to greatness, the pathway to maturity is serving. The Aramaic word for servant is a very interesting word. Jesus is speaking Aramaic, not the Greek that you actually will even read in your lexicon. When you read the New Testament, it'll often send you to the Greek. But Jesus is speaking Aramaic, and the word for for servant in Aramaic actually means servant, child, and lamb. Jesus is saying, you want to be the greatest? You need to be a servant to all. And when Jesus says you need to be a servant to all, he's also saying you need to be a servant, a child, and a lamb. We see the same word used actually in John chapter 1, verse 29. John the Baptist sees Jesus coming from a distance, and and John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist is saying, look, the, the Lamb of God, the servant, the child who takes away the sin of the world. When Jesus brings this child in between them and uses the word servant, he's doing a play on words. What's the point? The point is that a child is is immature in the world's eyes. A lamb is immature in a farmer's eyes. And a servant is often overlooked and discarded socioeconomically. But Jesus is saying, do you want to be the greatest? You want to be spiritually mature? And all of us said, yeah, of course, Jesus, we want to be spiritually mature. And he said, well, you have to be like a child. You got to be like a servant. And you have to be a lamb. You serve. You sacrifice. And you become like a child. The beauty of this journey of maturity toward greatness is that the kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom. The way to maturity is to serve, to serve others. Paul encourages us in Ephesians chapter 4, this section of scripture is description of the five-fold ministry in the church, which we've talked about a lot here. But I just want to point out one thing. In verse 11, Paul says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. Now look what happens. When the people are equipped for works of service, what happens? So that the body of Christ 
may be built up. And get this, until, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Everyone say mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the goal of the five-fold ministry is to equip all of you for works of service. And guess what? When all of you are equipped for works of service in the kingdom of God, then we will reach unity and then we will reach maturity. We will never become a mature church just because you got this guy up here preaching and Pastor Jen and Pastor Rose and Pastor Keaton and those that speak. That's not what it's about. We equip you. And when you are equipped, when you are trained, when you are, you are mature and we reach spiritual maturity. Goes on to say in verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people with their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. Service leads to maturity. A long time ago, the Lord spoke to me about restoring spiritual gifts in the church. And as I continue to follow this calling, I'm more and more convicted this is not a new thing. It's an ancient thing. The spiritual gifts in the body of Christ is an ancient thing. Jesus did it with his disciples. The disciples did it with each other. The early church did it. We too need to pursue these things. When these five gifts are expressed in a church and when people in the church are equipped for works of service, Christ is restoring his active ministry in the church. He is the head, we are the body. He basically tells us what to do, and we do it. That's spiritual maturity. My last point this morning is seeking God's wisdom leads to maturity. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things 
so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Paul is saying, I am called by God, although I'm the least of these saints, I'm called by God to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What Paul is saying is this, I am called by God to make known the mystery, the unsearchable. Paul is drawing us our attention to spiritual maturity brings us to a point where we begin to understand the unsearchable riches of Christ. We begin to understand the mystery of God. We begin to understand the manifold wisdom of God. You see, mystery will always lead to excavating. And as we are called to spiritual maturity, we we excavate for God's wisdom. We want to know, we pursue him. We pursue him in his word. We pursue him in prayer. We pursue him in worship so that we, like Paul, would be invited to Dig up and excavate the unsearchable riches of Christ. The manifold wisdom of God. Manifold being revealed, unveiled, found. Are you like me? Do you want to excavate for God's wisdom? Search for it. Spend time looking for it. Paul says, the goal is to know the love of Christ, verse 19. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I want us to pray together. I'll invite the worship team to come up. Father, thank you for your word. Father, thank you that in your word, yes, there is wisdom we don't understand. There's riches we we don't even know how to look for, God. But as we grow in our understanding of you, as we grow in our knowledge of you, as we grow in our relationship with you, God, you begin to unveil and and excavate these mysteries for us to know. And as we begin to understand these mysteries found in your word, God, found in prayer, found in worship, God, we will then be able to make these known to those around us, God. I pray for those of us that have difficulty with the idea of denying ourselves, God. Difficulty with the idea of serving others and where's my place. Difficulty understanding your word, God. Just practically, just difficulty understanding your word. God, I I pray in, in this moment, I pray that you would begin to pour out your spirit. Your spirit that convicts your spirit that guides, your spirit that counsels and comforts, 
your spirit that makes known the things that are hidden. That this journey of spiritual maturity, Lord, is not one you leave us kind of to ourselves to do. You give us your spirit. Your spirit guides us, moves us, convicts us, changes us, transforms us. Holy Spirit, I invite you for each person here to do that work in us. Even now, as we respond in worship, just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. For some, that may be, you need to lay down those things that you need to deny of your flesh. Just lay them down before Jesus. For some, that's a a deep insecurity of where to serve and how to be used by him. And I I can't do much. And I I really felt, I really felt as I was preparing this message that there's a lot that are um, physically mature. You're older. You served in ministry at one time. You, you were involved at one time and you think you're retired from ministry. I just wanna call you back. You never retire. God wants to use you. You have wisdom to bring. You have a gift to bring. For those in this room that feel far from God, I felt like the Lord saying, just come. Because if you feel far from God and you worship him in this season, maybe you're in a season where you don't hear him. Maybe you're in a season where you don't feel him. Maybe you're in a season where you feel very spiritually immature. Come to him. Because in this season, you can offer him sacrifice. In this season, you can say, God, I don't feel it. My life doesn't reflect it, but I worship you in the midst of it. I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would be present with you, ministering to you individually, speaking truth into your life speaking promises over your life bringing you back into the purpose that God has for you I pray all this in Jesus name Amen